Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. In the Gospel of Mark tonight, Mark chapter 12. We're continuing our study of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, emphasizing the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great example. We're actually going to see an example of the widow who puts in her might in the offering in the lesson tonight. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark 12:41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. And Jesus was sitting there and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Now they tell me that there is this collection box. It has 13 trumpets, a little place where you throw your coins. And then, of course, they roll down. And and so he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor woman, widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. The servant and his giving. Let me give you four principles about real giving from the widow's might story. Of course, Jesus observing the people here, it says that he beheld how the people cast into the treasury. So he's deliberately observing, discerning the motives. He could do that, you know, just not watch. You and I watch people go by. We can't really discern motives. We don't know what's in people's hearts. But as the Lord watches and observes, and I think he's doing this all the time with us, observing us and watching us. He is the God that sees. And when he is observing, he is observing not only what we are doing, but he observes and knows our motives. So he knows what's in the motive of the hearts of the people. So he's deliberately observing and uh, discerning the motives of the people as they made their offerings. One of the biggest ways to see our service is in our giving, in our offering. And it's not just the monetary, although that's what we're talking about tonight. So he saw many people walking by. Some of them, of course, it says were rich and cast in much. And if we uh, have these trumpets, then the, uh, a whole handful or a bag full of coins would, I don't think they had paper money in those days, so it's all coinage, 
would make a, a loud clang against the sides as they slid down the funnel-shaped trumpet. And if other people are walking by, they could hear this, and it could be... I think we just had a section where the scribes and Pharisees loved to sit in the prominent place. And so this treasury would be a place where, for people to show off their wealth. And that seems to be the case here. Many that were rich cast in much. So a handful of corns or a bag of corns making lots of noise, attracting attention to him, to them. But Jesus was attracted by the widow who had two mites. None of the people really attracted Christ's admiration except for this poor widow. And it says she was a certain poor widow. Poverty-stricken. She came along and she threw in her two mites, which are the smallest of coins, the coins of very little value. It'd be to us like two pennies. But Christ took note of that. He saw that and he's going to teach a lesson about that. So let's get the principles. Principle number one, real giving is sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Verse 42, there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. She's a poor widow, a pauper. Not really just poor, this is all she had. Okay, so it's her last two pennies or her last two pieces of coin. She's destitute. She's in deep poverty. And the coins that she had was all she had. Yet she gave them despite her own desperate need. So it was a sacrifice. What the others gave the ones in verse 41, the rich that cast in much, it was not a sacrifice because it says they gave out of their abundance. I have more money than I can use. So they give that money into the temple treasury. But not this widow. Her gift cost her something. It hurt to give. The others still had plenty left. They gave only what they could spare, but not the widow. Her gift cost her. It hurt her. I think our giving needs to be sacrificial giving. Give, as we say, till it hurts. You give of what you have. How do I say it? What you have, but you don't have to give. (laughs) Our giving should be that way. So she gave a sacrificial gift. We're familiar with a couple of places in the scripture. Let's go ahead and take the time to look at them. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, when Paul is giving instructions to the Corinthian church about the offerings, he says... Notice the language that we'll pick out of these verses. As God hath prospered him. Okay? That's how we give. And everything we have comes from the Lord, so God has prospered us. First Corinthians 16.2 Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And then in Second Corinthians... He is still teaching the Corinthians about this, again in his second epistle. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 is what I want. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. The first verse we looked at, second, first Corinthians 16, 2, as God has prospered him. So we give according to prosperity. We give according to purpose. As he purposeth in his heart. Can't we say, that this woman, the two mites that she had was the prosperity of the Lord. She gave out of prosperity. 
Didn't she have a purpose in giving? Didn't she give out of purpose of heart? And then Deuteronomy 16, 17. Every man shall give as he is able. We give out of prosperity, we give out of purpose, we give out of ability. Was this woman able to give her two mites? Sure. So she gave out of prosperity, she gave out of purpose, she gave out of her ability. Can we say that about the other folks that were ahead of her, that were rich and gave much? Did they give out of their prosperity? Well, yes. Purpose? Maybe. Ability? Yeah. Could have given more? Possibly. So, there's some principles. If you put all those passages together, and those are just a few, but real giving is sacrificial giving. I think this widow was the only one that gave sacrificially. All right, back to our text again in Mark. Not only is real giving sacrificial giving, but real giving is measured, this was interesting to me, is measured not by how much one gives, but by how much one has left. Not by how much you give, but how much you have left. The widow had nothing left. She gave everything. So Jesus is looking at her and saying, this woman gave more than those who had abundance and gave. Because they had much left after they gave. So real giving is measured by how much one has left and not by how much a person gives. It's kind of like R.G. Letourneau said, it's not a matter of how much of my money belongs to the Lord, but how much of the Lord's money I'm going to keep for myself. Now, look at this situation here. We have, we have two groups of people, all the other people and the widow. Okay? And all, both groups gave an offering. Right? Both groups gave an offering. The rich folks in verse 41 had much to give. The poor widow did not have much to give, but they all gave an offering. You know, I know there's something to say about that. If you don't have anything at all, absolutely nothing, how can you give it? Because you have to give according to your ability. There, Deuteronomy 16, 17. But in a real sense, everybody can give something. I think we're learning that lesson from this story. So everybody gives something. The ones who had plenty gave more money than the widow. Their contributions were generous. Their incomes were dazzling. And so their offerings were large. Now, we're not despising those types of people that have a large income. There's something to be said about dropping that pocket full of money into the trumpets as they clang down the funnel into the treasury. The Lord is watching here, and he knows, and he sees the abundance of the rich people and the poverty of the poor lady. So in God's eyes, the widow gave more. Why? Because he measures what is kept and not what was given. So the widow had less remaining. She didn't have anything left. She had given more of what she had in relationship. Now, I don't know how you want to go about this if you want to put in a word proportionally. We give proportionally. Well, how are you going to measure that? 10%, 20%, 50%, 80%. How much belongs to the Lord? You could give a large portion, but 
as God has prospered you, as you purpose in your heart, as you are able. All of those principles come into play here. The Lord is teaching us a lesson that God counts what we have left and not what we give. How much are we spending on ourselves as opposed to how much are we giving to the Lord? So it's really a heart matter, isn't it? Uh, a matter of the heart. And Jesus taught us that in Matthew 6.21, for your treasure, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now we can watch this. If we were sitting there beside the Lord, watching folks put into the treasury, we have no way of discerning their hearts. I mean, we could catch the lesson that Jesus would have taught. I don't know that the disciples were with him at the beginning, but he called them later there in verse 43 to teach them a lesson. And I don't know if he actually pointed out, see that widow over there or whatever, or if he just told them the story about it. So I don't suppose they were there. But even if they were with him and watching all of this, the tendency would be to, oh, those people are just trying to make a show with all that clanging of the coins going down the funnel and making a noise to make themselves known. And we'd have to say, well, I wonder how rich they really are. We don't, we wouldn't have known. The Lord could discern that. Besides, we wouldn't be able to tell what's in the heart of that person. Are they giving like she is giving? A large amount, are they giving out of their poverty as well? Are they giving sacrificially? In this case, the Lord tells us that wasn't the case, but we wouldn't know that. The Lord discerns that, but that's a lesson that the Lord wants to get. It's a heart matter. Where your treasure is, there will your heart go also. Okay, real giving is sacrificial. Real giving is measured by how much is left and not by how much is given. Number three, real giving seeks to have a need met, seeks to have a need met and or meet a need. Notice what the text says in verse 44. It says, For all they did cast in of their abundance. Now this is what the Lord is teaching his disciples. They did cast in of their abundance, but she, out of her want, she had a want. What was her want? Well, we can only surmise, but if she this is this poor widow... She was destitute. She needed food on the table. In our day, she needed gas in her car. Maybe she needed a job. And she says, well, I don't have anything to give. I have these two mites left. And so I need something from the Lord, and I'm going to give. We would say, that doesn't sound logical. But this woman gave out her. She wanted something from and needed something from the Lord. So what did she do? She gave what she had to the Lord. How do you get things from God? You give to the Lord what you have. It's like the little boy with his lunch. What are these, the disciples said among so many. And basically the Lord is saying, give me what you have. Let me take your widow's might and use it. So she understood this principle that real giving is giving to have a need met. Now, in that 2 Corinthians 9 passage, it talked about cheerful giving. We give to bless ourselves and to be a blessing. What she's doing, 
She's in the temple worshiping. She has a need that only the Lord could meet. And so she comes to the Lord and she gives her need to the Lord. That's what she's doing with her widow's mind. Again, we think opposite. Well, if I have a need and people argue, well, I can't tithe, I can't give an offering because I don't make enough money to tithe. And you and I have all learned the principle a long time ago that you can't outgive the Lord. You give, it comes off the top of your uh, first thing you do, and it's, you give, and you don't say, well, hey, I could use that tithe money to do this, that, or the other thing. We don't think like that because we've been taught and we've learned that principle. But there are many people today who think that way. I don't have, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give an offering to the Lord. This woman didn't think that way. She said, I have needs. And the way I'm going to meet those needs is to give an offering to the Lord. It's a paradox. And we need to think the way the Lord thinks. So she knew the great principle that God would take care of those needs if she would give all that she had. That's what we we need to do. We need to give everything that we have to the Lord, at least in heart. She knew that if she was to be assured of God's care... She had to give all that she had to the Lord. What did the Lord tell the rich young ruler? Go home and do what? Sell all that you have and give to the Lord. Give it away. Jesus wants all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. He wants it all. Now, we can look at the Lord's work. God's work has needs. We give to the local church, and the local church has needs. There are things that need to be done. And so the widow, though poor, gave to help carry out the ministry of the Lord. That went into the temple treasury. It was going to be used in the work of the Lord. Even though this poor widow had a need, she gave believing that God would see to it that she would have her food, clothing, and shelter. Didn't Jesus promise us that those things would be provided? Let's look at Luke 6:38. Here's the principle. We don't catch this principle. Luke 6 verse 38. I think this woman caught it. Luke 6:38. He says, "Give, and it shall be given unto you." How do you get things? Give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. In other words, abundantly. God will give abundantly. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. If we measure, you have these rich people on the one side who had and gave out of their abundance. Now, the Lord blessed them. See, just like this morning we said, God blesses sometimes when we're outside of his will. I'm not saying that being rich is outside of God's will. But I am saying that a lot of times people are rich because they're outside of God's will. You know, and Psalm seventy, Psalm uh, thirty-seven says, "Fret not thyself because of the rich." No, it doesn't say it that way, but, <laughs> but that's the concept. You know, fret not yourself because of those who have things and you struggle and so on and so forth. I'm paraphrasing it, of course, but that's the principle. You know, I think oftentimes, well, you know, I could do this too if I didn't tithe. We could do more things that we would like to do, what we couldn't do with uh, all that tithe money each month. 
Give and it shall be given unto you. Sheep recognize this principle. And then there's the principle of sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Back in that same passage of 2 Corinthians there. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But I say unto you, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, would you say this woman reaped bountifully, or she sowed bountifully? She only gave two mites. What do you mean she sowed bountifully? She gave all she had. So she sowed bountifully. She can reap. She knew the principle of sowing and reaping. All right? Now, we don't give necessarily just so we can get things back. All right? It's, it's also the principle. Is it in Ecclesiastes? Cast your bread upon the waters? That passage of Scripture? And it comes back to you. Okay? That principle. You give and the Lord blesses again. In Proverbs 11:25, it says, "The liberal soul shall be made fat." I don't remember where it was here in Second uh, Corinthians 9 or whatever. He talked about your liberal giving. That's the only place you can be a liberal and be biblical in your giving. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Okay, so we give. Well, I don't have anything to give. I'm in need. So was this widow, but she gave what she had. All right, and then let's get principle number four. Let me review the first three. The first one, real giving is sacrificial giving. We're to give sacrificially. This principle Old Testament, by the way, you were to bring a lamb or a turtle dove of your own, and the scribes and Pharisees and the religious leaders made it easy. Well, everybody's bringing these. Why don't we just sell them at the temple? That's not sacrificial giving. That's too easy. And so, uh, real giving is sacrificial giving. Real giving is measured by what is left, not by how much is given. Real giving seeks to have a need met. And, of course, to meet needs. And number four, real giving is giving all a person has. I like the story of the little fellow who didn't have anything to put in the offering plate, so when it came by, he put it on the floor and crawled inside himself. The principle. You don't have anything else you've got yourself to give. And so give yourself to the Lord. And so that's what this woman does. She is casting it all upon the Lord. Let's go back to our text there in Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verse 44, Jesus explains that, well, even verse 43, he's explaining to his disciples, this poor widow has cast in more than all they which cast in unto the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want, did cast in all that she had, even all her living, everything that she had. Now, I'm not advocating that you ought to take all your bank accounts and empty them out and give them to the church, but you you need something for uh, retirement. You need the wisdom of the Lord for that. And I can't tell you where and when and how to do all of that. But it's the heart thing. Does the Lord have the whole heart? So that's what's going on here. You know, you might think, well, I'm a widow. I'm poor. I don't have but these two mites. And you might think, well, that's so little. What can the Lord do with these two pieces of coin, the smallest coins there were? My gift is so small, it doesn't matter. Little as much when God is in it. God can take those two small fishes and or two loaves of bread, how's it go? The two loaves and five fishes, that's the way it was. 
That's the one story. And the other story has something else, uh, whatever it is. He can take it and multiply it. He can take those two pennies or whatever, two pieces of, of money, and multiply them. You might say, well, I have so little. God will understand if I don't give. He doesn't expect me to give when I can't buy food. Well, you know, we don't struggle with this, but some people do. What do you do with this? Let me ask the question. Why don't we give everything we have? It's a matter of devotion. We lack devotion and dedication in our commitment to God. And my wife and I are talking about this, teaching the next generation. We think, you probably think the same thing, that the next generations, the younger generations, are not committed. I think that's the case. We, of course, have grown up to have church the way we remember it, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and prayer meeting night. We think you ought to be in all of them, Sunday school included. Um, <clears throat> the younger generation doesn't think that way. Well, I'm not going to come to all the services. I mean, after all, you can't expect me to be at all. Why not? Um, well, I've got so many things going on. Now, we know that, you know, people work, they have physical things and all that sort of thing. We understand all of that. <clears throat> but we're looking at the next generation and we don't see it. There are people out there. We don't see it in our community. In, in our, how many churches in Mannheim have a Sunday school, Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a prayer meeting? There's a few. But there's not very many. Of all the churches that are here in Mannheim, are those people committed to the Lord? Well, we don't know. We don't see their hearts. Are we more committed because we have Sunday night and prayer meeting night? Not necessarily. But we're just in that habit. And so we look at the next generation that wants to have fewer services, quicker services, shorter services, non-committal services. <laughs> well, if I can't make it, because I've got soccer practice with my kids this Sunday, and so I can't come to that one, so... You know, how in the world are you going to use this next generation to teach a Sunday school class? We, we were talking about that. What do we do with this? And uh, they don't call you and tell you they can't come. They just say they just don't show up. Well, I soccer practice. I had to take my kids to that. To us, that's not commitment. And I think that's the case. We don't have the devotion. We don't have the dedication. And we talk about the various generations when we go through those things. I think what we're going to do, I mentioned it the other night, I ordered a course from uh, uh, David Cloud. He wrote a new book on sowing and reaping. And I think we're going to use that book on our Wednesday night study uh, and incorporate in it the study of the generations and how to reach the generations with the gospel. But commitment. And then we also lack boldness in our giving and uh, our... our uh, uh, using what we have for the Lord. We're not uh, bold to uh, uh, go about that. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, this is, I think, to the rich young ruler, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. That's a bold step to take. So I think this is what the problem is. We are not dedicated because we want it for ourselves. We're like these rich people casting their money in and we're counting up how much we've got left. Do I have enough left to meet all my needs and do what I want to do? And we're supposed to be giving for not for my name's sake, for Jesus' name's sake. 
That's why we give. As you purpose in your heart. As the Lord prospers you, as you purpose in your heart and according to ability, but also for Jesus' sake. And so it, it isn't a matter of counting up how much you gave. It's a matter of counting up how much you have left. What you gave is for Jesus' sake. What you have left is for your sake. So real giving is giving all that a person has to meet the needs of others or to meet the needs of the Lord's work for the Lord's sake. So those are some principles we learn from, and I think that Jesus is trying to teach us with this widow's mite story. Real giving is sacrificial giving. Real giving is measured by how much a person has left, not so much by what he gives. Real giving seeks to have a need met, and real giving is giving all that a person has. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again.